1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Amen. If you have a Bible, let's pick up this evening in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or we could say it this way, because we know this from other passages, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Father God, we said last Wednesday, had two great objectives in his plan for man's redemption. The first was fellow, excuse me, the first was relationship. The cross of Christ and man's recreation in Christ was God working to man, was God working to make man legally his child, a partaker, not just his child, but a partaker of his very own nature so that recreated man would become a genuine heir and a joint heir with Christ. You know, uh, I guess all of us that have children see this and know this, that, you know, sometimes when they're giving you sass and attitude or whatever they're doing, you're looking in the mirror. (laughs) Anybody ever had that realization? Yeah, so, uh, and then we don't believe in karma. But some of it, you know, I told Christina, you know, I said, look, honey, we don't believe in karma. But I said, I think you're getting some. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we see this in the natural. Well, it ought to be true in the supernatural. It ought to be true in the spirit realm that, that we should have the nature of our new father. Which means really in, in many ways we have to give up some of the nature of our old father and some of the nature of our old mother. So that recreated man would be a genuine heir and a joint heir with Jesus. The second objective was to restore man to his lost fellowship with Father God. This restoration of fellowship can only come as righteousness is restored to man. That's why we started off with 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin. Talking about Jesus to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So there can be no fellowship unless man can stand in the presence of God the Father without the consciousness of guilt or of sin or of inferiority. There's a message in one of the cars and Kenneth Hagin is saying that most Christians walk by sight and he says in that same message that people who walk by sight sure miss a lot. And I'm grieved by it, but there's nothing I can do about it. All I can do is stand here and do my thing. And now with the internet, more people are, actually more people are now watching us than back when we were on broadcast television nationwide. And uh, we know this from the numbers. But my point is, there's nothing I can do about it. In other words, I can do my best to get the word out, but a lot of God's people are just walking by sight. And we know this. See, I used to be blissfully ignorant. I hate to use that term, but now with social media, a lot of times in the evening I'll be reading and Sue comes and sits in my office and you know she's scrolling through updates on birthdays and anniversaries and things from Facebook and, and she'll sometimes read me postings of acquaintances that are not faith-taught, faith-Christian member folk. And it's just amazing. You know, one guy said, I haven't had a surgery this yet, so I haven't had a surgery yet this year, so I wonder when that's going to have to get lined up. I mean, it's just amazing. See, in other words, we just take all this faith for granted. We just take this faith environment for granted. But there are Christians out there, and they just don't know. They just don't know that they can use their faith for this and they can use their faith for that. And life for them is almost like life for an unbeliever. They just have to accept whatever Satan's dishing out. But 
we're preaching Christianity from the whole counsel of God, not just John 3.16, and not just the book of Acts and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but the Pauline revelation, and that is that he who had no sin was made to be sin for us so that we might in him become the righteousness of God. And so when I go before Father God, I don't go in my name. You know, people are always trying to slam us and saying, well, you know what Isaiah says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, of course, we know that. You know, we can read, we know that. But we're not going to God in our righteousness. We're going to God as the righteousness of God in Christ. And so when we go in the Father's presence in the name of Jesus, what Father God sees is us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there can be no fellowship of the type that Father God craves unless man is utterly free from sin consciousness and free from the fear of Satan's dominion. And I think I'm very unusual in that I am so accepting of people that come in here from all kinds of rough backgrounds. And then I stand here and without apology teach against addictions. Really, frankly, most ministers don't have this gifting. They can't do it. And so, you know, people come in and, and they've been through this and they've been addicted to that and, and they've failed at this and they've failed at that and... Uh, we just don't judge a thing. We just teach and preach Jesus. and People get saved. People get born again. People get delivered. People get set free. But that doesn't mean that's what we want for our children. Can you see that? That's not what we want. So in other words, we're happy if somebody is, you know, saved. Uh, we sat there at lunch two months ago. It was just the doggondest thing. I, I think I had heard in a long time. This young man told us. He, he has a jail ministry, and uh, he was at the jail. And so, you know, everybody's got their bona fides, even criminals. And so this guy was asking, well, have you, have you spent time in prison? And he said, well, I only spent a month in jail for non-payment of child support. But he said, I was in a different kind of prison for 22 years. And the guy said, well, what was that? He said, for 22 years, imagine 22 years, he said, I hardly left my house. I never answered the front door except for my drug dealer. And he said, all I did was watch porn and uh, the result of porn. He said, 22 years, 22 years. And he said, and then I heard about Jesus and I got saved and I got free and I got delivered. Hallelujah. Well, what a testimony. But, but, the way he put it, he was in prison. Well, what do you call it? You don't leave the house? You don't answer the door except for the drug dealer? Let me tell you what, that's not freedom. We're preaching freedom here. So we're just thrilled when people come to us from all these rough backgrounds. I'm just thrilled about it. I, I think, <laughs> you know, there's no special crown for winning rough people. But if there were a special crown for winning rough people... Because I know you all are washed and blow-dried and all that, but I, I mean, I, I, I knew you when you walked in the door. Some of you were rough, man. And if it weren't for former drug addicts, we would still have debt on this property. Because, man, when... See, the problem is with Goody Two-Shoes, when he comes in, he, he doesn't really go whole hog. You know, he just kind of like... It's like dainty. He just sticks his toes in the water a little bit to see. Now, I'll try this faith stuff. But people that have hit the wall, they know there's no alternative. And they go whole hog. And then God blesses them whole hog. Can you see that? But we don't want that for our children. Right? We don't, no matter... Are, are we in agreement on that? No matter what you've lived through, no matter what you have survived, no matter what you have come through, we do not want that for our children. Amen. We want them to 
Never, never be addicted to porn, never be addicted to alcohol, never be addicted to drugs. We want them to find exactly the right person. We want them to marry. We want them to marry well. How about this? We want them to be self-sufficient and not live on us. I'm talking about when they're all grown up, amen. And we want them to be happy. We want them to be productive, amen. I don't know about you, but I want them to have their own home. You know, I was an only child, so I like my peace and quiet. Amen. They come, they visit, we give them raspberry chocolate ice cream, and then we send them home. (laughs) Amen. It's a great phase of life. Praise God. So we walk in both worlds simultaneous. We don't judge people walking in the door and they look rough or whatever. We, we, we just win people to Jesus. We get them saved. We get them healed. We get them delivered. But, but then in our messages, we have to hold up the word of God as a standard because we don't want that for our children. Amen. Right? Amen. No. No godly parent wants that for their children. So we're talking about this thing of relationship and fellowship and the ability to stand in his presence without guilt or shame. But that's never going to happen. I just read it the other night in Hebrews. Actually, it was the basis for the catechism, they called it, of the church I grew up in in Detroit, Michigan. But probably Paul writes, until you understand the teachings about righteousness... You're not ever going to go on to the advanced principles of the Word of God. And then he lists them, the basic principles. He said, now we'll have to go back and teach the, the basic principles, and he lists them, and that was the basis of that catechism that I went through as a teenager. So the whole redemptive process has been designed so Father God might have children. And if you haven't figured it out, I'm, I started over this morning and the third time this year reading Genesis It's all about children. The whole thing is about children. The whole thing is about children. And that's why, so long as there's breath in my lungs, children come first at Faith Christian Center and ain't nobody messing with children. Because it's all about the children. God wanted children. We see specifically in Malachi, I know that people think God's approved about divorce, but We find out in Malachi the reason he's against divorce is because he was seeking godly offspring. So it's not that God is a party pooper or God wants you to be married to some psycho chick for the rest of your life. You know, that's not the whole point. The point is that that he wants the children put first. It's about the children. Now, you and I know, we're all grown up in here tonight, you and I know what we can't go up... I mean, I could tell Aaron to teach it upstairs, but nobody would listen. That, you know, when you're thinking about dating a guy, when you're thinking about dating a gal, ask yourself, would this make a good father? Would this make a good mother? They wouldn't hear that. They're not going to relate to that. But you and I know that's the issue. Because just some, because some guy's tall and got abs, <laughs> that, doesn't mean, that, that doesn't mean he's going to go to work. These are whole different issues. Do you understand? But it's about the children. It's all about the children. And that's why, that's why this old dark world, I I just read it this morning, because Eve took the word of the serpent over the word of God. God said there would be enmity between the seed of the woman and the serpent. And that's exactly what's playing out right now in in the public schools and the vax mandate for children in California and all of it. And I know over coming up on 38 years now, I guess, people think that I'm over the top on this, but you just got to get your mind right. They're coming for your children. That's it. That's the game. That's it. All of it is a war on children. And that's why they start their agenda that young. That's why there is such a thing as sex education. If sex education was about what they sold sex education to be about, why is the illegitimacy rate higher than it was before sex education? 
well, we need to have sex education because, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's too, much, uh, too many children being born out of wedlock. Well, since they started sex education, that number's gone up astronomically. And the whole thing is a lie. Don't get me on lies. The whole thing is a lie. It's one lie after another in my adult lifetime, just one lie after the other. Because there's, in the history of man, 6,000 years, there's never been a man and a woman get married, say their vows at the altar, go off for their honeymoon and come back and say, well, nothing happened because we didn't know what to do. <laughs> we didn't have any sex ed, so we didn't know what to do. That's never happened in 6,000 years. You don't need to be educated on impulse things. That's like t- t- saying you got to teach somebody to eat. It's, a, it's an impulse drive. People figure it out. You know, sometimes I wonder about my grandchildren, and Sue says, you know, they'll, they'll learn to eat with a spoon and a fork. It's just, you know, this is just something they go through. Because, you know, I, I, sometimes I watch them, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, there is a fork there. So, you know, over time, over time, give them time, they'll figure it out. Amen. One lie after the other. And, and God's people, see, that's the problem. God's people, you know, these pastors sitting home in their pajamas on a Wednesday night instead of being in the house of God and preaching and teaching the word of God and working, they're the exact same bums that fell for all these lies, all these lies. It all goes hand in hand. Amen. A baby in the womb, for example, has a heartbeat at nine days. How can that not be a, a living thing? I mean, they would have you believe it's a clump of t- tissue until it comes out of the womb. And even then, now, they want to still be able to kill it. It's got a heartbeat. It's a living thing. See, it's just one lie after the other. And the problem is, when you accept one lie, and, and actually, I didn't really intend to go down that road, but... What it's really all about, and the cancel culture, what it's really all about, and what's going on right now, what it's really all about is to not get, just get you to accept a lie. They want you to repeat it. And this has to do with authority. This has to do with Mark eleven twenty two to 24. This has to do with Genesis 1. They want you to repeat it. And when, when you, of your own free will and volition, repeat a lie, they got you. You're not, you're not one of us then, you're one of them. Because you repeated the lie. So our strategy has always been to keep ourselves in a situation to where uh, we're not in that world. Yeah, they, they just don't have any impact on us. Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. All right, but this right here, you understand, this right here is part and parcel with what people have a problem with. The whole idea that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ is a problem for people. I can't help it. It's what the Bible says. And I'm not going by what some preacher says, and I'm not going by what some, some denomination says. You know, I've got a Bible, and I can read, so I'm just going to go by the Bible. And so if I'm an heir of God, well, if I'm an heir of God, what business do I have poor-mouthing? But, see, but again, going back to confession, you know why they want you poor-mouthing? Because... Well, they want you to confess what their father says. You're nobody. You don't, you don't deserve anything. You ought not to have anything. You can't believe. I mean, you can't relate to it now. But in 1989, I bought a one-year-old 535 BMW, and, and people left the church. Can't relate to it now. And then two years later, two years later, Sue was driving a used Audi and she stopped at the stoplight on the Fielder Road Bridge and a 15-year-old kid in a pickup truck rear-ended her 
he was uh, on the phone or reaching for a phone or something, totaled that car. And we went out and bought her a brand new 325 BMW. I think that was along about March of 91. And then uh, the Lord led us into a situation on a real estate deal. I think it was a month or two later we bought a house. It was just too much for people. You know, buy a new car, buy a house, you know. So you can't relate to that now, but that's, that's the crowd, you know, that we had to churn through. Yeah, we just churned through them. Amen. I remember one Sunday, I stood up there at I-30 and said, you all never asked me what to, what to do, so why should I ask you what to do? I said, you all do what you want to do, so why shouldn't I do what I want to do? You never asked me what I think about something, so why should I ask you what you think about something? Those were different days. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm older. I'm so mellow. I have completely chilled out. I found out who I was. I read the Word of God. I, I didn't go listen to naysayers. I went and listened to great fathers in the faith and I found out who I was now it took some time it took some time it took some time to take action on the word of God to confess the word of God and frankly one reason we are reluctant to confess the word of God is all this peer pressure you know it's hard to believe but it's November again didn't the year fly by and so I don't know who, who you're going to be around Thanksgiving but you know there could be peer pressure I'll tell you when we really began to prosper, and I probably shouldn't tell this because, you know, we got a lot of grandparents here tonight. But, you know, if you behave yourself, this, then this won't apply to you. But I, I'll tell you what, when our lives really began to pick up steam is when we stopped inviting my parents. They ruined every Christmas. They ruined every Christmas. And uh, just the things they would say to the children. And finally, one Christmas, you know, I said, well, that's it. We're not doing this again. And, uh, but the, you just can't, you cannot think positive thoughts in a negative environment and atmosphere, and you cannot maintain a positive confession of faith around negative folk. And now, I'm, if you get around it a little bit, but you know, you got to watch your exposure. It's like uranium. You just got to watch your exposure, Amen. Because it'll get in you. Man, man is a spirit. The part of man that had to be recreated was the spirit of a man. But the mind of man is not, was not recreated and the body of man was not recreated. Hence Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So my body's not, say it out loud, my body's not saved. So I got to do something with my body. And then verse 2 deals with the mind of man. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I have to do something with my body, and I have to do something with my mind. And over time, over time, it takes effort, it takes time, but over time, your mind and your spirit man and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God all come into sync. And to this day, I have a little more clarity on it than I used to, but to this day, sometimes I, I don't know who's talking to me, if it's my spirit man or if it's the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, I don't know. I'm amazed at how he keeps me from making mistakes. I'll be out praying and he'll tell me that there's a mistake in that letter I just wrote or there's a mistake in the spreadsheet I just did. Whatever it is, I'm just amazed by that. But, it, but a lot of times, I don't know, if is it my spirit, man? Is it the Holy Spirit? See, you can come into such a synchronization with God that you, you can't hardly tell the difference. 
And our problem on this is, again, we have been polluted by the world. You have no idea. The last time pastors Joshua and Margaret Arkali were here from Mombasa, Kenya, their son, was it Moses? Was, you know, trying to pick a place to go to Bible school and he was thinking about coming to the United States. I said, oh, don't come to the United States. Why not? I said, yeah, they're all feminists. I said, now, we don't think that way. We think we're Christian people. We don't think, you know, our women are feminists. But I said, compared to Africans, they're feminists. See how they just, they just love that. <laughs> See, because we've been polluted by this world. We have been polluted by this world. I just read it two nights ago, what Paul said about all this, but I'm not going to bring it, I'm not going to bring it up tonight because, you know, I want church attendance to be stronger next Wednesday. <laughs> but uh, we've been polluted by the world. We have been polluted by the world. And so we have to work at it. We have to work at it to get our minds renewed to the Word of God and to get our minds in sync with the Word of God. He says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We had to do this on money. You have no idea. When I started saying, when I started saying, the Lord, when I stood up at I-30 and I started saying 1989, 1990, 1991, I was before 91. It must have been 89, 90. When I stood up at I-30 and I said, the Lord, my God, is meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, the condemnation from Satan was just heaped on me by the dump truck. You have no idea. Because whenever those words would come out of my mouth, Satan was right there saying, you know that's a lie. And finally, that's where I came up with this phrase, how can I tell a lie repeating what God has said? And then that played out. We got our needs met, but that was it. There was no more forward progress and I heard Kenneth Hagin say, you have to be careful with Philippians 4.19 because you can get stuck there. Well, then, man, I had to come home and I had to do some homework. So I, I found all these verses that took me to the next level, like 2 Corinthians 9.11. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and thrust your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And when that started coming out of my mouth at I-30, the devil was right there. One thing you can count on the devil, he's consistent. And he didn't take a day off. Well, you know that's a lie. Now, I didn't know as much then as I do now. And so I would just count on what I said earlier, and that is, well, how can I repeat what God has said and tell a lie? But you have no idea. Because when we started saying the Lord our God was meeting all of our needs, we were believing God to be able to eat out more than once a month. That's where we were. I mean, I know you can't relate to it now. That's where we were. That's where we were. Can't relate to it now. Sue says, my problem is I make it all look easy. Well, I'm telling you, it wasn't easy when we started. And whatever you want to renew your mind to, you got to read it. You got to work at it. You got to find scriptures that cover your situation, and you got to re you got to renew your mind to that. And our our problems and our challenges are not all the same. You may have a problem with beer. I don't have a problem with beer. I tasted it once when I was in high school, and a guy I was on a double date with ordered it and we were eating pizza and I, he ordered a pitcher of beer and I tasted the beer with the pizza and I thought, oh my gosh, how could anybody do this combination? Amen. So I don't have a problem with beer. But maybe you got a problem with beer. I don't have a problem with drugs. Maybe you have a problem with drugs. Biggest problem, you know, I'm facing right now probably is ice cream. <laughs> you know, it's, it's an issue. <laughs> but we don't all have the same challenges we don't all have the same problems we don't have the, all the same stuff we're going through we're not all married to the same people see that by itself is a holy is a whole bale of circumstances 
Amen. I mean, you wouldn't want to be married to me because when, you know, uh, I just don't do anything the way Sue wants it done. You know, I don't use the dishwasher. Uh, I just, you know, and so it drives her crazy, but she just keeps quiet about it. And I don't, I tease her sometimes, but, you know, I leave her alone. The whole idea of washing dishes, then putting them in the dishwasher, letting them sit for a day or two or three for the crud to get hard, then, then I, I just, I, you know, and so I just clean them as I go. You could go to my house right now. There's not a dirty dish, not a dirty spoon. It's perfect. How would you like to live with that? <laughs> See? So every, everybody has different situations. We, we have different scenarios. We have different things we're believing God for. Some people are just gifted. They, they don't gain weight. You know, when Austin and Jessica got married, it took time to get to know her and feel comfortable around her. But I told her, I said, once I told her, I said, you know, if, if, if I could get your metabolism, I'd, I'd write a check right now for $100,000. <laughs> Some people are just gifted. That, Some people aren't. Some people, they got to work at it. So that's why we also ought not be running around judging everything. Because we, we may have this log in our eye and we're trying to judge somebody for the speck of sawdust they got in their eye. It's just that we have different situations that we're working through. John 3, 3 to 8, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. See, man must become an actual child of God as truly as Jesus was in his earth walk. That's what we don't see. Tell your neighbor, that's what we don't see. This is the secret and the magic of T.L. Osborne's ministry. He saw it. This is what made him. He saw it. He saw from the word of God, Daisy had to drag him to a Billy Branham meeting. And uh, it was, these connections are mesmerizing. It was, it, Daisy had to drag him to a Billy Branham meeting. There's probably no greater, more powerful healer in his day than Billy Branham. He got off course, though, and he got off course, though, and died young. And, uh, but Billy, Billy Branham's day teacher was F.F. F. Bosworth. My God, my God. And so, you know, one of the greatest books on healing in the cafe, is in the cafe. I believe it's called Christ the Healer, F.F. F. Bosworth. But F.F. F. Bosworth was the day teacher for Billy Branham. And it was through those connections then T.L. got onto E.W. Kenyon, through E.W. Kenyon. You can't imagine the prejudice back in those days. T.L. Would, would take the cover from a book that was acceptable among the group he was in Tear the, co tear the cover off and put it on top of an E.W. Kenyon book so nobody would know that he was reading E.W. Kenyon. That was the prejudice. But to think that, that we are his children to the same degree that Jesus was his child while on earth. See, that's really rare for somebody to come to that. And again, we were just talking about prejudices and needing to renew our minds. See, the problem with any of this is when you renew your mind to truth, most of the opposition, let me back up. When Jesus was on planet Earth, who provided most of the opposition to what he taught? Was it the Romans or was it Jewish folk? It was Jewish folk. And so the problem is when you come into revelation on the word of God, the opposition is not, it's going to come from relatives. But, and Jesus had that problem too. Remember, his family came, he was teaching and his family came and they wanted to take charge of him because they said he had lost his mind. See, so relatives. 
<laughs> On another occasion, they came and they told Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He who does the will of God. That, that tells you what he thought about natural family versus spiritual family. But it's the same thing. See, every time I stand up here, I've, I've, I probably have gone too far last Wednesday and Sunday because Sue's not here to, every time I look over there and see her, I, I govern myself a little better. But, you know, I'm governing myself all the time because I ha there's no point in me teaching at a level you can't accept. So I, I have to constantly, yeah, he's correcting me. But when he speaks to me while I'm speaking, well, then I have to go down those roads. But generally, generally, I have to ask myself, can they handle this? Are they ready for this? Remember when Jesus said to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. To him who has eyes to see, let him see. And then, and then he would get with his apostles, especially the three, and he would explain things to them in private. Why? Well, he, he figured they could handle it. Not everybody could handle it. We have that word we use. It's actually a Greek phrase, hoi poloi. That's actually a word, a phrase in the New Testament in the Greek, meaning the crowd. We talk about the hoi poloi. It's a derogatory term, the hoi poloi, you know, average people. Uh, but that's from the New Testament, the crowd. So you had the crowd, then you had the 72, then you had the 12, then you had the three. They weren't all operating at the same level. And we're not ever going to get to a place where we're all operating at the same level. We've never taught that, but you can take action on the Word of God right where you are, and you can move up. And when I say change levels, I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about in your walk with God. Now, there's some things we'll never achieve. Listen carefully now. There's some things we'll never achieve. One thing that, one thing that Billy Branham got off track on, he, he, he had revelation from Paul on being a son of God, but he got off course because he, he misread some scriptures and he thought that he would never die. You can't reach that level. You can't. That, in other words, if you think you saw that in the New Testament, well, you misread it. You can't reach that level. There's thing, there are things, I remember one night I fl flew down to uh, Mexico City with T.L. Osborne, R.W. Schambach was holding a crusade in the soccer stadium. What a huge place. You have no idea how huge. It makes our stadiums look like nothing. And uh, so he just wanted T.L. around him. T.L. wasn't speaking. Schambach was speaking. And then after one of the meetings, I'm down there in the circle. At, I mean, at the bottom, in the middle, where the next to where the podium was, and you know, I'm standing there with T.L. and R.W. Schambach. And a lady came up, and she was holding this special child. And uh, she wanted, you know, prayer for this special child. And I'm standing there with two of the greatest men on the planet. No doubt. And T.L. said, you pray for the child. I prayed my best prayer. And uh, she thanked us and she went on her way. And T.L. took me by the arm and he said, you wish you could heal that child, don't you? I said, absolutely. He said, well, you can. See, the gifts are as the Spirit wills. You know, I, when I was a young man, preachers, you know, young, young boys in Bible school, they just thought, man, they're going to pray, they're going to study, and they're going to live so holy, they're going to go down to the hospital and empty the hospital. No. See, that's a level you'll never get to. Jesus didn't do that. If Jesus didn't do that, why would anybody think they're going to do that? I read that about a week or two back. He went to his hometown and he was amazed at their lack of faith. And the Bible specifically says that he could do no mighty miracle there because of their lack of faith. 
So there are various limitations on us. We have the Spirit moving as He wills. And then how many times, uh, two or three, four weeks back, did we talk about out of John's Gospel that Jesus said, I say what I hear my Father say. I do what I see my Father doing. He didn't just go around doing what He wanted. So we, we have these constraints on us. We do. We have what is God doing? We have gifts operating as the Spirit wills. On top of that, you have a vessel. You have, uh, you know, you got, you got hinky vessels. I just read that the other night. You know, in a house are many vessels. Some are used for noble purposes and some are used for ignoble purposes. Paul was very politely, as an academic, calling some of his critics dump pots. Because, you, you know, you have indoor plumbing, hopefully, so you can't relate to this. But, you know, there was a time, even, even royalty, they had pots. Nature calls in the middle of the night. There's no bathroom you use a vessel for ignoble purposes and that's what Paul you know Paul you know if if you if somebody actually goes to bible school and seminary and actually learns some stuff you know he was starky he was calling them names he was calling them ignoble But even in Paul's ministry, when you, get to, when you get toward the end, when you get to First and Second Timothy, you get to First and Second Thessalonians, you get to Titus, he, he gets more direct about all this persecution that's been coming at him from religious folks. In the book of Acts, the Jews were stirred up with envy because of the crowds. You start raising the dead, you're going to have you're going to have critics. Paul raised the dead. Peter raised the dead. But again, Jesus, he never went to the graveyard, just started raising the dead. One time he raised a dead man, and this is what got him killed, was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. But my point is, when, when you discover who you are, and you begin to walk it, and you begin to talk it, your opposition, my experience is, the world's just happy to come to my house and make money. You know, the tree guys, the yard guys, the plumbers, oh my gosh, the money they get, the electricians, they're just happy to come to my house and make money. The criticism comes from Christians. So you have to brace yourself. This is part of renewing your mind. Say it out loud. I am who God says I am. See, who I am is not based on what somebody thinks. Who I am is not even based on what I think. Who I am is based on what God has said. Some of the most spectacular miracles we've ever had here are people I never laid hands on. I just spoke to them. There's a lady here tonight. Her second daughter had a, a growth on her face. And you don't know, no young, beautiful little girl wants a growth on her face. And those people, they could have been offended at me. Because as I've, as I've aged, I've changed in the way I do things. You know, I just said in, in Mexico City, I, I prayed my best prayer. I wouldn't do that tonight. I would, I would go a different way because I've learned. I've, I've learned. I've learned what's more effective. A lot of times we pray our best prayer because we want people to not think ill of us. If I remember right, the mother brought that girl up to me right over here in the fellowship atrium. Sue and I used to stand near the doors and we created a traffic jam. That's why we moved. But I was standing over there. We hadn't been in this building very long. And I, I, don't, I don't think I prayed a prayer. I just spoke some words over her. I don't think I laid hands on her. I might have, but I don't think so. I just spoke some words over her. And a day or two or three later, she was washing her face, and that, that clump, that, that growth fell off her face in the rag. Some of the most spectacular miracles. 
we've ever seen have not come by a prayer line or the anointing of oil or even prayer. They've come by operating the way Jesus operated. Matthew 8, Jesus said, I have never seen such great faith in all of Israel. And it was a Roman centurion. He said, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come to my house. He said, I myself am a man of authority and a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. A centurion was a ruler over a 100 soldiers. He said, just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And what a great guy. Who, who would go seek out the Lord Jesus? What kind of Roman occupational army officer would seek out the Lord Jesus Christ because of a sick servant? Those were days of slavery, you know. If, 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 if your servant died, you just go down to the market, you know, and for a few coins, you, you buy a new servant. No big deal. They're replaceable. That's the way the government thinks of you, by the way. Jesus spoke the word. And then on the way back, the centurion, somebody came from the centurion's home to say that the servant was well and healed, and they checked the time. It was exactly when the Lord had said, some words. See, if we don't know who we are, we struggle. Thank you, Father God. He just said to me, your days of struggle are over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, we struggle. Like I said, was it sun last Wednesday or Sunday? It's like we're blind people and, and we're feeling our way along the wall of life. God doesn't want us to live like that. God wants us to know who we are. Say it out loud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am as I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm his child. I'm his child. His very own child. My family knows what I'm doing now, but you know, when I first started down this road, there was a little bit of, you know, consternation because grandchildren, you know, they'd bring me grandchildren, you know, and, and the compulsion is to pray your best prayer. But I saw, I saw that I got better results. See, the more words, the more likely we are to make a mistake. And I began to see it. And so, you know, they bring me a grandchild say they're fine you know they're, I call their name they're healed from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet now you, you go on and play amen because my word is final amen. I heard these words come out of my mouth the other night something the Satan trying to bring back on me I heard these words come out of my mouth the other night Satan take your hands off the Lord's anointed I say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm the healed of God from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And I was surprised. Because a lot of times in my life, you know, it can take a day or a week or a month to confess something out. I was surprised to combine the two. To rebuke the devil and then say what I wanted. We have power. We have power. I remember the first time Austin fired somebody. He was young. You know, and they try not to tell me stuff. And I come to work and they felt like, well, we better tell them. You know, well, Austin fired this person. Well, what, what happened? They told me the story. I said, well, fine. But he was awful young. I just stood with him. That's what you don't know. See? If you are his son and you are his daughter, he'll stand with you. Amen. You can rebuke that devil and God himself will back you up. Amen. You can speak words of healing over a child and God himself will back you up. You can speak words of healing over a, a grandchild and God himself will back you up. Our problem is we don't know who we are. 
And the, the Facebook thing really feeds this whole thing of poor old me and struggling. And, you know, that's just a load of bull dookie. <laughs> and, and it brings dishonor to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for people who say they're Christians to bounce off satellite that they're sick and they're broke and they don't know what to do and they're confused and all of that. How about this? How about we not dishonor our Lord? How about we say to ourselves, how can I repeat what God has said and tell a lie at the same time? And how about we just make up our minds to say what God says about us and leave the results with God? And it might take a month. It might take a, it might take a few months, depending on the situation, like being broke. It might take a year or two or three, but you'll come into the place where God says you are tonight. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders. Signs do not precede. Signs follow. Signs do not precede the word. Signs follow the word. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.